Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today our awesome guest is Natalie Dunbar, author of From Solo to Scaled, and we're going to talk about building a content strategy practice and a sustainable one. This episode is brought to you by Zeppelin. Designers are most comfortable in their own design tool, and that's the way it should be. But design files can be complex to other team members, and explaining them takes up time that could be spent designing and building. That's why designers use Zeppelin to organize their screens, show user journeys, and present their files to the team. Sign up for free at zeppelin.io to get started. Hi, Natalie. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. I'm very much anticipating to pick your brain on this topic. Congrats on the book launch, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you. Another one of our guests who have written a book with Rosenfeld Media, it seems like a great common ground. Yes. So for those who don't know you, tell us what you do for trade. I know you've been wearing multiple hats in the past. You've been a researcher, yeah. product manager. So what do you do these days and uh, how you decided to write a book about content strategy? I work as a senior manager, uh, UX content design with Walmart. I uh, work with a cross-functional team. We're part of design, very big design organization, UX-focused practice. We do partner with marketing and other teams uh, to create awesome experiences for people who visit our website and, and our apps, use our apps. How I, how I ended up writing a book, I was contacted by Lou Rosenfeld. I think probably he must have encountered maybe some of my talks online or maybe stumbled upon. I have a speaker's profile with Women Talk Design, which is a kind of a speaker's bureau of sorts to elevate voices in the the UX space and the tech space that may not normally be, you know, given a platform to be able to do public speaking at conferences and things like that. The question that Lou posed to me was, what are some of the things that when I do talks or when I write articles, when I talk about content strategy, what are some of the things that that people ask me about? And the question that I would often get, which I talk about in the book, is, you know, how do we find somebody like you? And my slightly funny answer is, well, I cover a lot of demographics. So exactly what do you mean by that? And also, you know, how do we build a team? How do we how do we bring content strategy into our agency or organization? And as I was looking out there, you know, to see what other books, you know, were available and what books had been written, there's a oh, there's so many good books about what content strategy is and how to do it. Things that get into the more content structure and content modeling and, you know, content management systems and that kind of thing. But there really wasn't anything out there that said, hey, here are some ways, here are some, some steps you can take to bring content strategy into your organization. Or if you're a single content person in a larger, you know, within a larger team or organization, how can you start to elevate the practice of content strategy and help your teammates and leadership understand the importance of building a team that's sustainable. And that's how we got here. 
So we had a whole episode just recently with Yuval Kestecher talking about uh, UX copywriting and content design and content strategy. So let's Mm -hmm. focus less on what content strategy is, but I would still love to hear your definition of content strategy practice. What is it in it for, for, for you? Well, a content strategy practice is a space, whether it be physical or virtual, where the work of content strategy, content design, UX writing, all of the content things, it's a space where that work can get done. It's a defined space in that you're creating, you're co-creating, hopefully, with your cross-functional teammates and like departmental partners. You're creating a process framework that is repeatable, that you can modify and grow as the demand for your services grow. So that every time that you're launching a, a website or, or an app or you're you know, creating a product or service, you don't have to start from scratch every time and then find at the end right before launch, oh my goodness, we don't have the content that we need. There is still within our discipline from one organization to another, you may have content designers, you may have content strategists, you may have UX writers. There are some definite differences between those. We won't get into that, but... The content strategy practice is a place where all of those people can come together and do all the things that are related to, to creating content. What we want to do is, is create a space that's formally recognized as we would have, you know, a design, a visual design team or design ops team. I didn't set out to write a book about content ops necessarily, but some of that element is there. I think there are things that are more tactical in content ops. And the way that I define a practice is, again, that space where content strategy can happen, where your practitioners, it's a, a foundation for being able to establish what it is that content strategy does within an organization. And again, there are you know repeatable process and frameworks that you create that you can use over and over again for different clients, products, and services. Who would typically be a leader of all of this? What is the, ro- the job title or the role? Is there a dedicated person who's running the content strategy practice? There can be. Ideally, for a larger team, there would be a practice lead. I've held that title before, content strategy practice lead, or lead content designer, similar titles like that. You may even have a, a director level role, depending on how large the team and the operations are. I've been in some organizations where there's a director over all things content. And then under that person, there's the team that does the work of creating the strategy. So those are the content strategists. They hand off to UI UX writers who then implement the strategy that was created by, you know, creating the copy and getting all the elements that are needed to express that content strategy that was created And then there's another team that they hand off to, to actually input the content into a CMS or whatever structure, you know, whatever technology is used to then push that content live. So there's three different, you know, types of content teams happening there. And in that instance, we had a director that was over all three of those. And there could be even more, but that's, you know, that's kind of a large, in a larger organization. In a small organization or an agency, you might have a singular person doing all the things. So they'll create the strategy, they'll present it to a client, 
you know, if you're in an agency or if you're in a, you know, single content person or solo content person, that's part of a design team, you present that strategy, then you'll turn around and go and create the copy for that and then input it into the CMS. I've worn that hat before. It's a lot of work, but it can be done. (laughs) And for to give more context to our listeners, we mean content as in everything that has words surrounding a product, not necessarily mm-hmm. content as in you know New York Times publication articles, not right. that, not that kind of content, right? Right. So a comprehensive content strategy may consider all of the channels where there there's content because you want there to be consistency in your messaging, but there's the experience of think of like a marketing funnel where, you know, someone is curious about your product or service, that content is going to be more marketing. Maybe they're coming in from a search. Maybe they're coming in from an article that content marketing, which is different. You know, you may have people in your in-house marketing team that are writing blog posts and different things that are then placed on a third party site or, you know, expressed in social media or wherever, Once you bring those people into your brand experience digitally and they become either members or customers, whatever you want, you know, whatever they convert to, right? Whatever your conversion goal is. Mm -hmm. Once we have them there, then UX content strategy, that's me. (laughs) We take over (laughs) and we want to be able to, we want to be able to have that be seamless. We don't want them to know that there's two different teams that are, you know, handling things. They don't, we don't want to shock them in the front with all this great content you know, from the marketing side and then they get into the actual user experience and it's like, what happened to this great thing? So we want to make sure that, you know, in some organizations, content strategy is definitely not involved with necessarily creating like the third party stuff or the social media stuff, but we need to be aware of it. We need to be aware of the brand voice and tone that's used. So there's that seamless transition into the actual user experience, whatever that digital product or service is, right? From one product to another, do you feel like content strategy is a similar thing built on the same fundamental components or does it like vastly differ from company to company depending on what they did? There are definitely some best practice, repeatable elements of the discipline of content strategy uh, from one organization to another. I mean, the foundation of our work, especially on websites, at least for me, always begins with an inventory and audit. I mm-hmm. want to know how much content we have to quantify. And I also want to know how good it is. How does it measure up against our current state goals? But usually if we're at this stage, we're like looking at future state goals. So we're going to look at that current content and go, is that going to help us get to that goal? And then we're going to figure out what there's a, a process that's it's abbreviated ROT, redundant, outdated, or trivial. And we measure content against those attributes as well as any other attributes that may be particular to whatever the future state goal is. And then we may determine that, oh, you know, we have a gap here. We don't have content that does this or that, or we have duplicate content that we don't need. Let's get rid of it or, or that type of thing. And then from there, depending on how your organization is set up, you may be the person that then needs to go and write or update the copy, or you may have a team that's dedicated to that, your UI, UX writers. And then we're also looking beyond launch or beyond updating. 
we also want to make sure that we're measuring the, the effectiveness of that content. So, so we have an opportunity to optimize it, right? So those are like steps that I think are, are not unique to one organization. I think that's best practices that we, you know, across the board content strategists try to, and when you talk about how to do content strategy, those are some of the, the classic elements. But from organization to organization, to get back to your question, that may look a little different. Some organizations have highly involved you know, content management systems that content strategists may be in there, like updating copy or moving things around or whatever. Whereas in some organizations, content strategists may never get involved with that back-end process of, of working with the CMS. So there, there are definitely some differences. And there are also differences about you know, what organizations call their content teams. They make the, everybody's moving towards content design as a title, which does, you know, elevate the practice into the design space more. It integrates it into that design space more, but content also content strategy is also, you know, establishing when I say voice and tone, it's not necessarily the grammatical way that we think of voice and tone. It's also, you know, ensuring that the brand voice is consistent across experiences and that you're shifting your tone depending on which persona or user type that you may be speaking to, because you, you may not just have one, you may have, you know, three <laughs> or five or 10, who knows? Yeah. So those things shift depending on your product, service, brand, whatever vertical you're in. But yeah, there's some definite things that are unique from organization to organization. But there's still those those, uh, classic elements of of what we do in order to establish and, and implement a content strategy. You mentioned common guidelines or assets that a brand would have. A SaaS mm-hmm. brand, let's say, that is voice and tone and all related things, top-level guidelines. And then we mm-hmm. have the marketing department and, uh, well, UX slash product department mm-hmm. W- mm-hmm. where you sit. Which of those departments would be responsible for creating and maintaining those top-level copy guidelines, voice and tone guidelines? Ideally, it's a collaborative process, but usually... I've been in organizations where there are different style guides for, you know, each end of the copy creation process, right? Whereas, you know, marketing may express things one way and UX, UI writing may express it another way. That's a a, a common conundrum, I think, that we have within those spaces where, where there exists two content teams, I'll say. I've been in situations where in previous roles, where there was even a very robust discussion around naming or the title that we held as content strategists in the UX space. That was the first time I ever encountered the the term content design. This was probably like seven years ago, closer to eight now. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> content design. <laughs> but it was it was a way back then for us to differentiate from the content strategists that were on the marketing team. It came to pass that you know, a lot of the work that we were doing and a lot of the language that we spoke was different when we would talk about technical debt and launch schedules and different things. Because 
our marketing partners in that particular organization work with an agency to kind of determine the, you know, the, the, the storyboard and the arc for what they were trying to establish and, you know, this kind of thing. And we're like, uh, we, we have to, <laughs> we have to get this content over to development so they can launch the thing. So there's definitely, you know, different approaches, different style guides. Sometimes we try to come together at a common place. And I think the best way to do that is to always remember the people that the the users that we're that we're creating for <laughs> you know bring it back to the user <laughs> and and then we're all trying to if you're in marketing you're trying to get them to, to convert and then once you convert just hand them over to us in UX and we will run with it <laughs> you know that's kind of the way i look at it how long can an organization survive without having a content strategy practice or well for a hmm. good content strategy altogether You know, I'm probably going to say something a little bit controversial, but I think an organization can exist for a really long time without content, without a formal practice. Because oddly enough, there's a lot of organizations of all sizes who still haven't started to consider content as an asset to the business. But as soon as they understand, as soon as someone comes in and says, you know, we're spending X amount of dollars recreating the same copy over and over again, and we can demonstrate how the bottom line is impacted by whatever the current content practices are, uh, leadership starts to take notice. Conversely, in an agency, you may have where you have a digital experience team, for example, You may be leaving money on the table, as, as the expression goes, because you may be doing a site redesign. But if you're not offering content strategy as part of that, you're just repackaging what's out there that may or may not work for people. But you get a content strategist in there and they're looking at, you know, the content structure and the nomenclature that's being used for the top tasks that people perform on a site or within a digital experience and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there's something else that we can offer our clients that we haven't been offering before. So it's really about if you're the, the lone content person in a room or you you know, have a small content team, a decision being made to formalize how you approach the creation of content. And hopefully that would mean you would build a content strategy practice. I'd like to mention, we we do have an episode on customer top tasks with Jerry McGovern. Pretty oh, old, yes. but, pretty, but pretty good episode. Uh, one of my favorites all time. <laughs> yeah, he's great. So, it's a great listen. If, if, if uh, dear listeners, you're up for that. In your book, well, thanks for establishing the context. Now we know like <laughs> what mm -hmm. we're doing with home and at which stage of the business. You cover foundational steps towards establishing that content strategy practice. Could you give us yes. an overview of those? Yes. There are five components to what I call the content strategy practice blueprint, which is kind of the meat of what the book is about, the steps that you can take to build a practice. Trust me when I say that they are, they, they are tried and true. I articulated these steps as I was going back and looking at what I did to create a content strategy practice at an agency, a very small practice. It was me. And then we brought in one other uh, strategist and 
based on client demand, we would bring in freelancers or, you know, contractors to help fill the demand. But the initial thing is kind of what we were just talking about. It's about making a business case, helping people to understand why, why content strategy is important, why content should be viewed as an asset, and how we handle that asset. The next component is building strong relationships with cross-functional teams and departmental partners. So this is not necessarily about beating the drum for content strategy yet. It's more about understanding what do your developers, what do your visual designers, what do your IAs, what are, what are the, all the people that come together to create digital product or service, what do they know about content strategy? What is their understanding of it? Listening to that, actively listening to that, and then understanding and being able to articulate, hey, here's how content strategy can help what you do. Here's how we can, as a developer, <laughs> make your job easier by helping you with you know, URL redirects and that kind of thing if you're more on the back end side of content strategy, right? And into the structural aspects. Or if you're on the front end, working side by side with visual design and, and user research to create a prototype. And instead of having lore mipsum, having actual copy that we can test and figure out, hey, is this resonating with our users? Do they know what we mean by this thing? If they look at a navigational label, do they understand what that's going to do? That kind of thing, right? So helping people to understand by building those relationships, you're looking for alignment there, right? So we're, we're all aligned together about uh, in, the, in the end of that process about what content strategy is and how it can help. Moving on from there, you're going to co-create frameworks, a process framework with those teams to understand the stages and phases of content strategy and how it impacts at the project level, like when we need to be involved, what things we need to do while visual design is, you know, doing their initial explorations. We may be, you know, finishing an inventory and audit to quantify and figure out the quality of the content that we have so we know what we need to meet that future state goal. And then we're talking about as we're establishing ourselves right-sizing that content strategy practice to meet client or project demand. So if you're working at an agency, as I was just talking about previously, maybe you're starting to offer content strategy to more and more clients. Maybe you need to bring in more people. How are you going to do that? How do you right-size that practice? If you're in-house working at an enterprise or, you know, a mid-sized organization, maybe you need more headcount. Maybe you need, maybe you've started off working on, you know, a couple of products here and there, uh, but now uh, there's a demand for your services. And then finally, we talk about establishing meaningful success measures. This is not at the project level. This is at the practice level. So we do talk about my favorite acronyms, OKRs, you know, objectives and key results, but not at the that level of granularity at the project level. Here we're talking about measuring things like I talk about office hours a lot because in most organizations, there are not as many content designers or strategists as there are like visual designers or engineers or whatever. So you're going to be, you know, your, your services are going to be in demand, measuring that demand and being able to codify and, and write down uh, and track. We started out doing this many projects with this many teams asking for our services. That's increased by, you know, this number. We have this many people asking for office hours, which we offer once a week. Now we're doing it three times a week or that kind of thing. This is how you show leadership. 
there is a demand for our services. And here's how you can measure our success because more and more people are asking for what we do. It's tracking the number of projects that you're working on. So you can then again, show the growth and the scaling of your practice. And then after that, you know, those five elements that we just covered are the five components. You talk about scaling and we talk about maintaining the health of that practice, like the core of the practice. And that starts to get into your people, making sure that if you're the leader of that practice, that you're modeling, I'm, I'm going to get into self-care space because it's so important that you're modeling self-care in terms of taking your time off, providing opportunities for learning and growing, you know, professional development, that kind of thing. It could look different from organization to organization, but just ensuring that your most important asset, your people, your practitioners are, are healthy and well and being taken care of and not being stretched to the point that they can't, can no longer add value and be effective. And yeah, rinse and repeat if necessary. <laughs> I'd love to ask you about tools and deliverables and if there is any industry standard and we're talking about, well, describing and uh, logging processes and also the, the assets that you're managing and if that, that's different from company to company or if there is any industry standard for capturing hmm. and managing UX copy for for once and other things. So I've already covered uh, things like inventories and audits. Inventories can sometimes be assisted by tools, uh, crawling tools and that kind of thing. Because for inventories, you're trying to figure out how much content you have. And this is more web focused. So I'll just use that kind of as a baseline. In audits, you're getting more into um, the quality of the content that you have. And again, you know, measuring that against any future state goals that you might have for whatever product, service, or whatever you're building. Those are pretty standard audits, those content audits, again, that, you know, tell you, you know, what you have and, and how good it is. Um, I think I've seen that, whether it's, you know, web or mobile apps uh, where you're capturing, you know, your screens and trying to figure out what's out there in production. Does it, is it, is there a, an establishing a source of truth for that content? In many organizations, you will have, you know, content management system, CMS, where, you know, you kind of are storing many assets. Depending on the size of your digital experiences you create, there may be digital asset management system as well, a DAM, that separately stores assets that can be called up for use in a digital experience. Other than the end product, you know, what ends up on a screen or within a digital experience, the deliverables and things that happen in between what I what I covered early on, those inventories, audits, and that kind of thing, and, you know, what ends up on the screen will differ, or in my experience, it's differed from organization to organization. You may have a formal process for how you present a content strategy. So you may have a brief that you put together, which I highly recommend actually, where you've done your comparative analysis, you've done your inventory and audit, you've interviewed stakeholders, you may have looked through any existing user research and you're reporting at a high level your findings and then making the case for 
what content is needed. Now, this is, again, at the project level. This is not about the practice level. However, the practice is the space where you can start to, again, I'll use the word codify. What are those steps and processes that you that are appropriate to the types of product, projects that you're working on in your agency or organization? And that way you're establishing repeatable processes, right? And then you're establishing what those deliverables might be. Not every deliverable is appropriate for every organization or even project or client. It just really depends on really what the demand is. So you may not have, for example, content strategist who is focused on taxonomies, for example. You may have to hire you know, a consultant to do that work. I don't live in that space, <laughs> to be quite honest. And I'm okay with that. I understand enough of what I need to understand about it to bring someone on a team uh, or into a team to to provide that service if we need it. Sometimes it's, you know, um, I mean, I think taxonomies are useful for many things. But if you're a smaller agency, you may not have need that level of expertise. So it really depends. I feel like that's a that's an easy way out, but it really does depend on <laughs> so many variables. <laughs> but you've seen it done many times in many different environments. I find one of the hardest aspects is how to capture a living, breathing thing a product is, and like let's say managing the source of truth for microcopy for the product. It's, it's a very specific uh, example. Like, mm-hmm. how have you seen that done? Oh boy. If there's no CMS, it really gets tricky. You you know, we're we're a lot of us content strategists are doing a lot of work in Figma, uh-huh. which can get, you know, we have to be able to figure out ways that that we can lock copy down so that other folks can't won't go in and change what's been approved. Oh, that's another story. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole another story. I mean, but that's part of it, right? You know, and those are things again that could be worked on and established cross-functionally at the practice level. At the project level, that's still a little tough without a CMS, I think. And it's kind of a good problem to have though, because I love all these collaborative tools out there that we're able to use as content designers and strategists to really, I think it elevates our work and beyond just, you know, wordsmithing. That's important, but um, I've, I've held positions as a content strategist where I never wrote any copy at all because uh, content strategy is not just about writing copy. It's about content structure. It's about how do we define what content is you know, it's not just the words on the page, it's buttons and other elements that users interact with. Um, it could be that we're working with design to determine if a block of copy that describes something could be, if a video would be better or an infographic or, you know, some other element, but all of that is content. So it's not just the words on the page and it, it does become unwieldy in terms of managing it but it really depends on kind of what, you know, your backend systems, what's available to you in terms of technology in your organization. CMS is typically a definition used for website management. Mm-hmm. Or you haven't really seen products that have a CMS for their internal copy, have you? I have not. I, I do believe that they're, they're definitely out there. It depends on, you know, again, 
what technology, what is the system that your digital experiences are being built upon. I've worked in Drupal, for example. I've worked in Oracle, WCS, all these different, what's the other one? Adobe Experience Manager, AEM, that house content that's agnostic of whatever device it's going to be ultimately displayed on. So it, you know, it's responsive. It can be on an app. It could be on a, a desktop, you know, depending on what your digital experience is that you're offering. I'm not as much in the back-end management space as I am on the front end. The closer to the user I am, the better. So I don't, you know, I don't not the the expert on that, the management of back-end systems, but I have definitely worked within CMS systems to create and house content and sometimes archive it as well. If you could give advice to our beginner listeners who are working in smaller companies and want to start off their solo content <laughs> strategy practice, what would that be, that advice? Maybe a few initial steps for them to take. Get comfortable with the concept of content and content strategy, but content itself as an asset to your business product or service. What you say and how you say it really does translate into whatever your, you know, conversion, completion, whatever thing that you're trying to do, sign people up for something, you know, capture an email address, whatever it is. You can have compelling visuals, but if people are just looking at those visuals and there's no words there or, or no wayfinding uh, to help get to what you want them to convert to, then you're missing out. Once you've done that, finding someone, or if you have someone already that's passionate about, you know, content as it supports digital experiences, give that person the room and the space to operate, work with them, partner with them, ask them questions, let them ask you questions. A lot of what we do in content strategy is ask questions. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much for sharing your advice today. Mm -hmm. Where can people find your book so that they can learn more? And I know you have a deal for them at yes. Rosenfeld. <laughs> Rosenfeldmedia.com. You can search from solo to scaled and you will find the book there on the Rosenfeld Media site. The book is also available at other online retailers. The Deal that you referenced is only good on the Rosenfeld Media site. We do have a promo code UI Breakfast that you can use to get 20% off yep. any title purchased for any what title. it's worth. I yes, hope yes. it's mine, but if not, any title, because there's a <laughs> lot of good ones. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you once again. Any other links or your personal site, social media where people can use to keep learning. From. Oh, yes. I have <laughs> my website. My personal website is Natalie Dunbar Content Strategist because I couldn't think of anything else. And I will say that there is a Natalie Dunbar who is a romance writer. People get us conflated, which That's is why my, <laughs> it's not me. So my book, when I went, the little last little note, when I, met with Lou and we talked, Lou Rosenfeld, and we talked about me writing a book for them. I was like, I have a problem that I never thought I'd have. 
what do I do about this other Natalie Dunbar? And he's like, do you have a middle name? So when you look for me as an author, I'm Natalie Marie Dunbar. So that kind of disambiguation between myself and the other writer, who's a very good writer, but we're in different genres. (laughs) And oh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is the literati. That is so, so mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty active in, in those spaces, as well as you can look me up on LinkedIn. Natalie M. Dunbar, I think is my, my profile. Fantastic. Thank you once again. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you so much. <laughs>